This episode is brought to you by Jinx, the superfood-powered dog kibble everyone's been talking about. See the results for yourself and try their one-month transformation. Within the first few weeks, you'll see how Jinx can help with your dog's energy, mood, and even digestion. And it's all thanks to the high-quality ingredients they use, like organic chicken, Atlantic salmon, and grass-fed beef. Try the one-month transformation today. Find Jinx in your local Walmart. You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by The Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here, I'm Jordan, and Keep Canada Weird is the venue in which my pal Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore the more offbeat news stories that played out over the last week. In tonight's episode, which was recorded on the evening of January 30th, 2024, Aaron and I, well, I think we have a bit too much fun. We talk about the kind of creepy Canadian man behind the petition to get Taylor Swift on an American stamp, we'll bask in the glow of the holy grail of hockey card discoveries, we'll join the hunt for a lost dog in Saskatchewan, and we have our plans cancelled due to the unforeseen circumcisions taking place at an Ontario pizza hut. Let's get into it. Handsome Aaron Airport. How are you doing over there, my friend? I'm well, my friend. How are you, friend? Good. It's uh, it's snowy. I don't know. Of course, we're a couple of hundred kilometers apart. But here in Halifax, we got, I think, our first significant snowfall of the season. We got whacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. Same here. We got uh, a shovelable amount of snow. Mm-hmm. D- did the snowfall generate any stories in your life other than necessary shoveling? I, I remember going to get some gas after it snowed and the roads are pretty slick and okay. I remember getting subway. Okay. Pretty uneventful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I had kind of a eye-opening experience. You know, the oh, whole, yeah. I'll tell you, this is something happened today and it's something that I never thought I'd have to deal with, but it's, it's one of the many joys fatherhood brought me. You know, the whole thing, like you don't eat yellow snow. No one ever told me that. Okay. Well, no one told my youngest son that either. I never thought you would have to, but, uh, Oh, really? He actually, he didn't eat it. Here's what happened. We're walking for it. I walked, I went and picked him up at school, just turned six. So he's just a little guy, but I thought he would have known this or somehow someone would have said, don't eat yellow snow or don't touch yellow snow. And as we're walking, like we're walking up the sidewalk and of course there's snow banks on each side of the sidewalk. And there's this big like patch of yellow snow where I don't even really notice it. Like some dog peed there or whatever. Big deal. And I'm just like keep walking past it. Hardly notice it except my youngest son like stopped next to it. And as I turned around to see what he was doing, he had like his hands like in the snow digging out all the yellow snow. And I just yelled his oh. name. I was like, what are, what are you doing? And he said, I'm making a lemonade snowball. <laughs> like drop it. And he dropped it. And then I explained to him like that is dog pee. Like you don't ever touch yellow snow. Luckily, he only had it in his hands for like a second. But um, the worst part was like the gloves he was wearing wasn't like waterproof winter gloves. They were just the little kind of um, like kind of like knitted sort of ones. So they weren't like he probably got some dog pee on his hands. Needless to say, uh, they got thrown in the wash and he had to wash his hands and he will never again touch yellow snow. Yeah, making a lemonade snowball for daddy. (laughs) If I hadn't turned around and looked, though, I don't know what would have happened. 
I think well, he, you would have been covered in pee, probably. I think so. I think his um, initial thought was someone like sprayed lemonade in the snow or something. But yeah, so that happened to me too. Yeah, well, I mean, yellow is a very enticing. That's a very enticing color. You know, yellow. Yeah, it is. Yellow is is generally associated with being happy, sunshine, jealousy, uh, flowers. You know, all lemonade, as your as your son indicated. Yeah. Uh, I just really think that that I understand why he gravitated towards it. Lesson learned. I guess that's something you actually have to teach kids. Weird how that works. They should come like pre-programmed. Well, I mean, I thought you send them to school. Like, didn't they cover this in school? You'd think. I, I'm going to write to the principal tomorrow. What are they teaching day kids? Day one, you know, day one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've used up our allotment of time for small chat. The reason I'm moving us along quickly is because, yes, we have to keep Canada weird, as we do every week by highlighting and discussing the weird and offbeat stories that played out over the last week. But we also have some listener feedback and uh, opinions and maybe additional insight on some stories we discussed last week. So let's just open up the show with that. Uh, we learned a little bit more through the keep canada weird correspondence we're going to learn a little bit more about and you know the cooked burgers we talked about last week mm -hmm. as well as we have another mm -hmm. theory on the stolen nuts uh maybe i'll save the nuts for the end um heather a listener of the show was surprised that the burger was even served the way it was uh, in our discussion last week listen to this here's what heather has to say hey jordan um i just listened to your um Oh, keep Canada weird. Uh, and you were talking about meat not being cooked, uh, like having to sign a waiver if the meat isn't cooked. Um, I'm pretty sure in Canada, you legally have to cook it to well done, period end. There's no option. So I'm surprised that they even did anything other than that. Um, a few years ago, I have... Um, uh, I had met my cousins who live in New York City. Uh, I met them in uh, Niagara Falls, Canada, and we went to a restaurant and they tried to order something that, you know, they said, oh, can I get a burger, whatever, medium rare, whatever, something gross, whatever, as they were doing. I'm vegetarian, so it was disgusting anyways. But anyways, um, the uh, server said, no, we can't do that. So I guess I think that's pretty standard. And I'm surprised to hear that uh, they even um, entertained the idea of giving them the food that way. We actually got quite a bit of feedback and opinions across social media, people weighing in on the whole, uh, I guess we'll call it burger gate or maybe waiver gate. But in the end, Americans were surprised to hear we don't order it that way. And Canadians were surprised to hear that Americans do order it that way. So I guess that's just one big difference. You know, not a lot of differences between Canadians and Americans, you can argue. But this is one giant difference. We don't want food poisoning. <laughs> Let's get into the stories. We got a loaded card tonight. Uh, we don't have any particular theme. We're kind of all over the place, so I'm going to let you guide us as we go. We can talk about Taylor Swift and maybe Taylor's biggest closeted fan. We're going to hear about the hockey grail of hockey card discoveries. Something happened in a pizza hut in Ontario that's amazing. We'll talk about that. And of course, we have that uh, we've made the promise that if cats or dogs are in the news, we will discuss them. There is a dog in the news from Saskatchewan. Where do you want to start with this? Well, let's start with Taylor Swift. Seems appropriate. Uh, mm -hmm. You are a massive Taylor Swift fan, right? Is that fair to say? That's an understatement. Big I see, Swifty. I see a lot of people talking about her in football. What is the story? Her boyfriend's a football player? Yeah, she's dating 
football, you know, Mr. Football, whoever okay. is, I don't know. There's, <laughs> I don't know sports. No, me neither. I just, so, I, some guy who plays football, she dates him. Uh, she goes to the games. She cheers him on uh, while the rest of us rage in jealousy. Mm-hmm. Well, someone who may be jealous of that football player runs a stamp and coin store in Dunbar, BC. His name is Brian Grant Duff. And he's in the news lately because of a petition that he is behind that is demanding the United States Postal Service create a commemorative stamp honoring T. Swift. Now, this guy, it's it, a, it's a Canadian. I believe he's from yeah, he's from, uh, Dunbar, BC, uh, which is outside of Vancouver is where this guy is. But for whatever reason, he's made it his mission to try to get the American Postal Service to put Taylor Swift on a stamp. And it's not because he's a fan or so he says. Listen to this news clip. Do you tell me if this guy is a fan? A Vancouver stamp collector has started a petition to get Taylor Swift onto a U.S. Postal Service stamp. He's not a huge Swifty, but he thinks it could be a great way to raise money for charity. It would be great if the U.S. issued a semi-postal stamp with a charitable surcharge on it and people could celebrate Taylor Swift's heiress tour, for example, and give money to a charity that Taylor Swift and the U.S. Postal Service agreed on. Brian Grant Duff has run All Nations Stamp and Coin for more than two decades. He says it's uncommon to put a living person on a U.S. stamp, but believes the global superstar is the right person for the honor and has already put together some AI-generated samples. He also believes it could help boost sales and awareness for the Postal Service. He's launched the petition on change.org. To commemorate, I don't know, the Eras Tour, for example. I don't know. Just off the top of my head here. Uh, <laughs> how about the Eras Tour <laughs> of, the, of the person I know nothing about? Yeah, uh, that I took, like, just in my own free time, I took this upon myself to generate AI art of Taylor Swift on stamps. I just happened to have a bunch of images of her on my computer anyway, so yeah. I just I fed them in the chat GPT, and here we are. I'm either getting this way wrong, or this is one of the weirdest fetishes I've ever heard of. And he's Canadian. Why is he so concerned about the American postal stamps? Like, yeah, that sure takes some of the wind out of the petition sales. Why doesn't the petition, like, for Canada's postal system to have a Taylor Swift stamp? That's a good point, right? The whole thing is ridiculous. When I first read this story, I was like, why are we covering this? Is this sounds like an American story? And then I was like, I was like, oh, he's Canadian. I was like, what's he doing? I just, I think they feed him to the wolves though by being like, who isn't a, a Swifty fan or isn't a Taylor Swift fan? Yet he, he's he's just rattling it all off for the Eras tour, for example. Yeah, and then it yeah. goes in, well, and, that's what he, and that's then all what he the tells his wife, yeah, know, I'm not a fan. I just, no, just no. this is purely for the United States postal system <laughs> and to bring awareness to the United States postal system. I'm not attracted to the beautiful young musician. I'm not buying it, dude. This guy is a Taylor Swift fan. I don't know if he's a fan of her music, but there's something going on between him and Taylor Swift and stamps, oddly enough. Yeah, I wonder if he's emailed Taylor his stamp designs. I guarantee you. Like, yes. I've been making stamps of you. <laughs> what do you think of the stamps I've made of you? I'm going to save the U.S. Postal Service by 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 showing them stamps of you. <laughs> She's like, who are you? I'm Canadian. <laughs> I'm a Canadian man. He is a creep. Oh, let's just come. I'll, I'll say who it. Who is this man? 
Yeah, he is. He's yeah, what other stamps does he have designed in his lair? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, Beyonce. <laughs> Mr. Canada again. stamps here. It's me again. <laughs> I have new designs for you to look over. <laughs> Who am I? I'm Canadian. <laughs> I'm just a psychotic Canadian man sitting in my in my basement. My wife won't let me come upstairs anymore. She calls me a liar. <laughs> this guy's out of his mind. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we had the same opinion because when I watched it, that was my and read that story. That was my first reaction. I was like, yeah. Is Aaron gonna feel the same way as me? I figured you would, and I'm glad you did. That was my favorite mm. uh, story of the night. You know, so we came out swinging. But uh, let's move on. Let's let's slow things down, and then we'll get right back into the crazy. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Jinx, the superfood-powered dog kibble everyone's been talking about. See the results for yourself and try their one-month transformation. Within the first few weeks, you'll see how Jinx can help with your dog's energy, mood, and even digestion. And it's all thanks to the high-quality ingredients they use like organic chicken, Atlantic salmon, and grass-fed beef. Try the one-month transformation today. Find Jinx in your local Walmart. Let's move on to the holy grail of hockey card discoveries. And this is a story I love because I'm, I'm crazy about you know collectibles, hidden secrets in people's homes that are buried away in closets. All that sort of stuff uh, combines in in this story out of Regina. In short, a case of hockey cards that were found in Regina in a Regina basement are making history. When cleaning a crowded basement, a case of 16 unopened boxes of 1979 to 1980 OPG hockey cards were discovered. Each box has 48 packs with 10 cards per pack, so there's a total of 7,680 cards. Why is this special? Well, this is the first time in the 21st century that a 1979 to 1980 case of cards unopened has surfaced and it's unlikely and another will. What makes this year so important for hockey card collectors? This is the first year that Wayne Gretzky appeared on his on a card. So it's like the year of Wayne Gretzky's rookie card, which is pretty much the most valuable hockey card recently one sold for well over a million dollars. So this is an incredible amount potentially of money in hockey cards. Let's hear the news clip and then we'll talk about this. Here it comes. Lots of us have boxes gathering dust in the basement. Well, for a Regina family who went through theirs, a big payday could be in the cards. Hockey cards, that is, expected to fetch millions at auction. CTV's Allison Bamford is in Regina, and Allison, why are collectors so excited? Sandy, the auction house is calling this the find of the century, not just because these mint condition cards are in its original packaging, but because of the player who could be on them. 
This is the only known unopened case of 1979-1980 OPG hockey cards from Wayne Gretzky's rookie season. His rookie card is the holy grail among collectors. Let's put it this way, if the cards were just one year older from Gretzky's second season, they'd be worth a fraction, just one-tenth of what appraisers are estimating. Besides Gretzky's rookie year being in it, this is just a rare item for a lot of collectors, they like to collect unopened material. It's a nostalgic sort of draw that they have. They remember opening boxes of this and, you know, they can't get these boxes anymore for $2 at the corner store. This box was hidden away in a Regina home behind stacks and stacks of other collector's items. The family wants to remain anonymous, but what we do know about the owner, he was a big collector in the 60s and 70s. He'd buy cases of Canadian-made cards to trade with people in the States. And while tidying up, his son recently discovered what he had. The case, which contains 16 boxes and 768 packs of hockey cards, just hit auction. The current bid is hovering around the $1 million mark. Some collectors say it's a small price to pay considering just how many Gretzky rookie cards could be inside. A single one of those in pristine condition has previously sold for nearly $4 million. I almost feel bad for the old guy who owned this stuff. Imagine you you buy this. Like th this has been worth millions of dollars since, you know, for, for the last 25 years or so. And he had no idea it was in there, just living his life. And now probably at the at a point in his life where he's like downsizing his home or something, he realizes it's like, oh crap, like I was like a multimillionaire this whole time and I had no idea. You feel bad for this guy? I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, I would say maybe he enjoyed having them down there, but what joy was he getting out of them just sitting in a basement? Well, it like seems like he didn't. It seems like he didn't even know they were there. Like what he was doing. This. It. They don't give his name and stuff because I'm. It's so much money. He's probably hiding out. But um, it seemed like mm -hmm. what he was doing was kind of like hoarding collectibles. So when hockey cards would come on sale, he would buy like a box, like a big box of the boxes that they would have on like a shelf at a store or something full of packs. He'd buy like a box of them and just have them tucked, squirreled away, hoarding them and trading them here and there. And it seemed like this sealed boxes, a sealed box of boxes of cards from 1979 just kind of got cluttered in behind stuff. And it wasn't until they were cleaning out the basement that the son opened it and realized like, oh crap, like, these are old cards. And I bet you when that son looked up what year it was from and learned that Wayne Gretz, that was Wayne Gretzky's rookie year, he must have just freaked. Like the idea of there being these unopened packs from 1979 and that many of them for hockey card collectors, it's literally the holy grail. Like an unheard of discovery. So it seems like they're, yeah, they're selling them by the box. Well, what the, I think Is what that they're... I couldn't tell if they were selling it as a as a like all of it at once with a bid around a million dollars or if they were selling it per box because it, yeah what, I don't know I just for some reason I had the impression that they were selling it by the box but kind maybe of, they're selling the whole collection for a million dollars but like to me it seems like the most lucrative way would be to open them get the Wayne Gretzky cards out yeah find, you know statistically you know there's there's a few of them in each box um package those up in some kind of a protective casing and yeah. whatever and sell those yeah but i guess it's a gamble um, though because you you know statistically there's going to be 20 gretzky cards in there which in mint condition one of them recently sold for four million dollars so if you open it and you find 
20 or 30 or for whatever reason, maybe there's 40 of them in there. That's just an incredible amount of money, but you could also get screwed and just, just, just the odds could not be in your favor and you only find four of them. So there's a bit of a gamble, but yeah, I don't know. But well, right now it's like they've, they're at a million dollars right now. So wouldn't they make more money if they just took out the Gretzky rookie cards and then just said, Hey, I've got 15 Gretzky rookie cards here. Yeah. And then they were saying, and in the news broadcast that the lot, you know, they sell for around four million each. Like, yeah, geez. yeah. I'm just know. wondering. But that, that's only the opening. Can't bid they make too. more money if they just pull out the Gretzky? You would yeah. think, but that that's only the opening bid at a minute. So who know. knows? Who knows where it'll go? But I just think it's like this is an amazing discovery for people who are into this stuff, and just the fact that it's sitting there. I don't. I don't. It just makes me wonder what else is out there. You know, there's so many, I'm not into hockey cards, but there are a lot of collectibles I'm into. And I don't know. I just, I, I like the idea mm-hmm. of there being, I don't, uh, there's some old toy store or something in, in behind some shelf in their storage unit, some box of like, you know, uh, 1970s era Star Wars, Wars toys is just like, you know, behind a shelf uh, untouched for all this time. You know, just uh, that kind of stuff does it for me. And I think uh, this is a cool. Yeah, discovery. it was so hard as a. It was so hard as a kid to not like, open and mess around with all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. to you know, some people who who bought things and left them in the original packaging. It's like, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. guy seemed to have been an adult when he did it, so I understand. But like, you know, when you talk to people who have. Yeah, yeah, I know I've got all these toys unopened. It's like, how did you not open them when you were a kid? Like with me, mm. like all my comics, my my baseball and hockey cards. He used it. You know, my action figures, like they were all ripped out of those packaging. Yeah. And I don't think like in the 80s and stuff when we were kids, collectible culture was nothing like what it was done, like what it is now. Then I feel like toys and comics were meant to be read. Toys were meant to be played with. Things were meant to be opened and used. Nowadays, I feel like it's the other way around. Toys and collectibles and figures and stuff. I realize this with my kids is a lot of it is like it's it's made to be displayed in its package mm-hmm. and, and collect it. But that was, you know, when we were kids, that was just, I didn't even think about that. But apparently this guy, either by design or just by sheer luck, it worked out for him. And it couldn't have worked out for a better box of of cards, like a, an unprecedented discovery that no one in that world would have expected. And cool that it happens in Canada. Kind of sucks that it happened in a crappy place like Regina, but, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. It happened. Agreed. Yeah. Um, you want to stick around Saskatchewan for another Saskatchewan story? This one about a dog? Yeah, but not for too much longer. But yes, let's stay. Okay, and then we'll get out of Saskatchewan. This will mm-hmm. be it for tonight for that kind of province. Yeah. yeah. So this is cool. We we love dog stories. We love cat stories. Um, they seem to find their way into the news in Canada. You know, once a month, once every second month, we got a good dog or cat story. And I think everybody just loves dogs and cats. But here's an interesting one. And there's a bit of a mystery here. I haven't been able to to solve it myself. Maybe you can. So I'm going to call this story, the Saskatchewan dog winds up in Toronto. A three-year-old dog from rural Saskatchewan went missing this past September. His owner, Conrad, 
left bear in his backyard when Conrad went on a golf tournament, but when he got home, the dog was gone. Conrad searched high and low, finding no signs of the dog. He actually feared he was killed by coyotes. But just as he began to lose hope of ever seeing Bear again, the dog turned up in one of the most unlikely places, downtown Toronto. Here it comes. This is Bear, a dog who was lost, but then found 2,500 kilometers from home. I'm still in shock. Like it's been seven days, but it's just been a whirlwind of seven days. Like. Back in September, the three-year-old German Shepherd went missing from a farm outside Regina, Saskatchewan. Owner Conrad Fredrickson was driving away to go golfing. I left the yard and I happened to look in my rearview mirror and seeing he was running behind the truck, um, but the dust was coming up from the wheels and uh, I figured he would eventually stop, turn around. And when I got back from golf, he was gone. Conrad searched for Bear, spending nights driving around. Numerous Facebook posts featuring Bear went unanswered. Four months with no sign until Bear showed up at this animal hospital on Bloor West in Toronto. January 17th, um, he was brought in by an individual and his mother uh, for an exam as a new patient. Andrea Macri owns the Islington Village Animal Hospital. She looked after Bear, saying the dog was happy, smart and healthy. They explained that the son was working on a farm in Saskatchewan um, and in the beginning of September a dog showed up on the farm, um, had a collar on, but um, he was afraid to take him to the shelter because he thought that they would euthanize him. Bear had no tags so the man took care of Bear for the next few months, eventually bringing him home to Toronto. Based on the story, the animal hospital checked Bear. Uh, we scanned Bear for a microchip and indeed he did have one. Uh, we called the microchip company, who then directed us to the Humane Society in Saskatchewan. The Humane Society in Saskatchewan put Andrea in contact with Bear's owner and Bear's caretaker here in Toronto. And the guy's like, oh, I got your dog. I was just, what? Pardon? Like, and then, yeah, I talked to him a bit, and he was um, obviously very sorry that he took him. Friends started a GoFundMe page already raising over $2,000 towards a goal of $3,000 to pay for Fredrickson's travel to Toronto to reunite with Bear and bring the dog home. Now the way things are looking possibly by next weekend. The dog who seemed lost forever will now be returning to his forever home. Do you find anything suspicious about the story? So he leaves for the golf tournament and he doesn't put the dog in the house or tie the dog up or... The dog just kind of runs wild, or how does that work? This is rural Saskatchewan as well, so it's not like they're in the city, but maybe it's yeah. a yard, like a fenced in yard the dog can stay in, or the dog was like, that's, uh, I'm assuming, they don't get into that in the story, but are you are you thinking that the owner? Well, it just sounded by the way he was driving away. He's like, oh, I, you know, he was chasing me, and then I looked back in the rearview mirror, and it seemed like he had, you know, turned around or something. Or yeah. So, uh, I was just wondering if his kind of yard was wide open, if the dog just kind of roams around. Maybe. At his own free will. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that could be like a farm or a huge amount of yep. land, which isn't uncommon to have a dog. Although this is a three-year-old dog. That would be, you'd, I think you'd feel secure if you had, you know, a farm outside of the city or something like that. Um, but I, I thought it was the part that was that I thought was, kind of suspicious like you went right to the owner maybe being up to something i thought the guy who found it was the was the kind of interesting one because it's the some guy works on a camp 
finds a dog with a leash. It starts taking care of the dog, but doesn't want it to bring it to like a, a vet or whatever for fear that they'll put the dog down. He takes the dog back to Toronto and takes it to a vet there. And it's them who seem suspicious enough that they scan the dog and find out he's, you know, has this chip and, you know, that leads back to Conrad, the owner. I thought, I just thought that guy was interesting who took the dog. Yeah. But I don't know. He, he gave the dog or he's giving the dog back. Yeah, that's true. Well, he hasn't yet, but he's planning. He hasn't yet, but certainly, um, he call, you know, I've got your dog, you know, like, and the dog had a leash or, um, a collar. You'd think, but it wasn't tagged. They said like there was nothing to show ownership on the collar or anything. Um, and then the guy wouldn't have known that he was microchipped. Yeah, but if you, I just feel like if I find a dog with a with a collar, you know somebody owns the dog, but you don't know who. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, I could take him to the shelter, but then maybe they're going to put him down, so I'll just hold on to him. Well, what? And then could... he doesn't really know what else to do outside of that. How to track the owner down? Why would they know, always? Yeah, why would they put the dog down unless it was really sick or doesn't get adopted? I guess are the two thing the two things that would lead to the dog being put down. It seems like this man who finds the dog is willing to take it. So could he not have brought it to the vet to see like, you know, is there anything, you know, can, can you make sure he's okay or, you know, see if anyone lost him and if not, I'll adopt him. Mhm. And then if the dog... Yeah, I just think that, like, he's probably... Maybe he's an older guy and just kind of thinks old school about shelters, like animal shelters. Because we were told that when we were kids, that, you know, if you bring a uh, an animal to the shelter, you know, if they don't find a home for it within, you know, a week or two, they're just going to put it down. Yeah, but this guy was willing to be the home. So if you're looking for a home, I, I'm, I will be the home. Yeah, he figured he'd be the home because he'd save the dog from the shelter was his line of thought. I guess. Um, I find it hard to believe. It just doesn't check out to me. I think mm. I, I think his whole plan got foiled when the, sh- when the uh, vet in Toronto found the ID tag and then he had to do what he had to do. Maybe. I don't know. As soon as I heard this story, it didn't hit me right. Mm-hmm. Well, I th- I think I think the guy is probably on the up and up. I don't know. Okay, I'd have to meet him. Yeah, it would be interesting, and I can only assume that the news reached out to him. This that would be the next step in the story. Clearly, if they're going to do a news report about this whole situation with the lost dog being found. Why wouldn't they have got one of their correspondents in Toronto to go see the guy and get his story? You know, I have a feeling they reached out to reached out to him and he's like, no comment. No, don't show my face. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't I'm know. A I'm a known dog kidnapper. <laughs> I'm calling, um, what's it called? I'm calling. Uh, bullshit. Yeah. I'll call bullshit. <laughs> Uh, do you know what I'm not going to call bullshit on? The amazing situation that played out at the Pizza Hut in um, in Northern Ontario. Should we move right into this? Let's do it.
So this, we don't have any audio, and that's really disappointing because this would make for some great uh, news clips uh, with double entendres and all that stuff. Um, mm. Do you want to read the story of the unforeseen circumcisions? I I really, really do. Yeah, Good. I really, I really want to read it. We can, as you read through it, we can stop and comment on the different parts because there's there's a lot that happens in the story, and we like good like, yeah, private part stories, right? Well, it's what we, it's what we're in this business for. <laughs> Let's get into it. A Pizza Hut location in northern Ontario has gone viral not for its pizza or specials, but rather for an unfortunate typo. Last week, the Pizza Hut location in Timmins, Ontario, closed its doors at the last minute and posted a sign explaining that they were offering takeout only and the dining area was closed due to unforeseen circumcisions on the door. Yes, that is what the sign read. Photos of the sign were shared across local Facebook groups and quickly spread across all social media platforms from there. Unforeseen yeah. circumcisions happening in the dining room of a restaurant? I think that is funny, objectively. Unforeseen circumcisions, yeah. Because normally circumcisions are foreseen. Mm -hmm. They're planned way in advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of logistics involved in a circumcision. This is <laughs> suggesting that these were unforeseen circumcisions. Just something went wrong and all of a sudden someone was circumcised and they had to shut down the dine-in portion yeah. the dining area because there's like a kid up on the table or something <laughs> yeah we ran low on pepperoni so we had to start oh serving. no 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 that yes, is too yes, far yes. <laughs> so the yes, yes adults can get circumcised too jordan really oh yes that would not be pleasant adults get circumcised all the time so basically in this situation where it's like, uh, we're running low on pepperoni. Does anyone volunteer to be circumcised who's over the age of 18? And the new guy's like, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do anything to keep this job. Uh, so the, the photos of the sign on the door uh, saying that due to the unforeseen circumcisions, the dining area is closed. Those photos are going viral and being spread around. Uh, you can pick up the story from there. So American actor, how do you say this? George Take George Take Takai? He's he Takai. was from Star Wars. Oh yeah, okay. American actor George Takai even got in on the fun by retweeting a photo of the sign with the caption, Typos are my worst enema. <laughs> That's good. What a dork. That's good. I like it. You like it. Okay. Locally. The restaurant franchise had a good sense of humor about the situation and joined in on the joke with a new sign and a customer deal on January 24th. In light of recent circumstances, which was in all caps, which is in all caps, <laughs> we are having a two for one pizza deal. Pizza Hut wrote on the new sign January 24th, adding no tip required. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's good. Mm -hmm. uh typos are funny right oh yeah typos are you know it's you gotta reread your and, and triple read your emails your signs your whatever you're putting on anywhere uh one of my um something that just brings me joy is when i see a sign that uses the apostrophe s inappropriately to use it oh, to, yeah. like they, they use it to pluralize a word Mm. when they shouldn't you know I, I always laugh at that i see that quite often um yeah. 
But I think the unforeseen circumcisions at a pizza hut, in the dining area, theater of the mind takes over in my head. And I thought, yeah, I like that. Yeah. My favorite typo, which was a very famous typo that you'd probably remember was in the Cape Breton Post. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. With the crossing guard, I think it was. Yeah. In the picture, it was on the front page of the Cape Breton Post, our hometown newspaper. The photo on the, like above the fold on the front page of the paper, it was a crosswalk guard just like sitting down on a bench. Yeah. Yeah. Taking a break after his morning shit. Instead <laughs> yeah. of shift, <laughs> and it had and that his name. one. Yeah, yeah, and that one uh, went all the way to Jay Leno on the Tonight Show. Really? He, yeah, yeah. When he used to do the, um, I don't know what the segment was called, but they would show different things from Just small like town papers, bad headlines, and, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one made it on the Jay Leno. <laughs> well, that was a good one. Um, yeah. There was another one. This was from a Truro newspaper. On the front page, it had two stories kind of combined on one side of the front page was a story about um like a killer being arrested like someone was arrested for murder in this town and then on the other side of the paper was um showing a photo from this like strawberry pie eating competition so there's this photo of this guy with like strawberry pie all over his face and a bib on and then it talks about like a killer being arrested but the way when you fold the paper the, it, you know you know what's happening yeah, yeah but it yeah, is yeah. some pretty funny stuff <laughs> yeah yeah but uh just to throw in an unforeseen circumcision you know what they want to say but it's just it's funny come on mm-hmm. right? yeah man it's hey i i like it um Let's move on to uh, a piece of keep cor- keep Canada weird correspondence uh, feedback. Not feedback. I guess this is theorizing. And you you remember we talked about the stolen pistachios and other stories mm. of stolen nuts. Yeah. You know there is something we missed big time in that story, and I'm disappointed in us for missing it. But I'm well. Very- I think we should. Did we miss it? I don't know. Well, uh, I haven't listened to this voice. Okay. Now, so we'll I think we I don't remember us uh, thinking about the story this way. But, you know, Barb okay. caught something we didn't. Here it comes. Good evening, Jordan and Handsome Marin Airport. It's Barb from Halifax. Longtime listener, first time caller. I just got done listening to the latest episode of Keeping Canada Weird. And I took particular note of the story about the stolen nuts. I can't believe that neither of you have recognized this for what it actually was evidence of the animal uprising. As soon as I heard the story, I was flooded with visions of marauding chipmunks, perhaps working alongside their human wren fields to fill their winter coffers for years to come. All hail Chip and Dale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we did miss that. Yeah. I never even thought of it, but who, like we thought about you and I, we love pistachios. We would like to get, you know, a, a truckload of pistachios. But not as much as like a, a pack of squirrels working with raccoons. Yeah, because they're like, these humans are stealing our nuts. And that's how we live. We're going to take them back. And considering the, the timing, back, yeah. this all would have happened. Like the theft of the, uh, it was two separate trucks. One of pistachios and one of another tree nut. They happened. Walnut. Or no, it was, um, was it hay? No. I think it was walnuts. Cashews. No, I don't think it was cashews. I think it was walnuts. No, I thought it was cashews because we talked about how much we liked cashews. I think well. I just talk. I'll talk about that all the time. I talk about how much I like cashews till I'm blue in the face. 
I don't think if if the story was about a truck of stolen cashews, I would have been dreaming about it every night since. Okay, well, some other nut then we'll say it was walnuts. I'm almost sure. But um, mm. those thefts had happened in, I think, like December and maybe the other one was in September would be at, you know, the time of year that squirrels, raccoons would be pretty desperate and would like to get their hands on, you know, enough nuts to last them a few years. So, yeah, because they're looking around it's like, where, where's all of our nuts at? And then they they see these trucks filled with nuts and like, well, the humans have been taking them. The humans love the nuts. Well, I think Barb's right. Yeah, it's a fair point. I think there's a there's some validity to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't include it on the story on our uh, agenda for this week, but there was another story in the news related to the animal uprising. Apparently, um, there's been a rash of coyote sightings in Western Canada. That seems to be in the news every so often when you hear you know, you'll hear these stories of racco- of coyotes being seen in in cities turns out it's like mating season so that makes oh, yeah. them a, a little braver and they'll wander into cities and towns um so i'd say watch out for your cats and dogs everyone out there and watch out for your nuts yeah uh, and your foreskin because <laughs> there's unforeseen circumcisions happening yeah. in your around in your, this country in your perverted homemade stamps yeah yeah <laughs> this guy um before we wrap it up can we watch that news clip again of that guy? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay. We usually don't yeah. do this, but it's I really enjoy this story. Mm-hmm. Here it comes. It would be great if the U.S. issued a semi-postal stamp with a charitable surcharge on it and people could celebrate Taylor Swift's Eras Tour, for example, and give money to a charity that Taylor Swift and the U.S. Postal Service agreed on. Well, I don't know. Just off the top of my head here, the Eras Tour. You know what I think will really help? Uh, boost sales of stamps is if you put really hot young women on them, you know, that's every stamp that I buy has a hot young girl on it. Well, if you just, if you just do that in the United States, uh, I've already gotten in trouble for doing it here in Canada, but (laughs) the only guy banned from like every post office in Canada. Yeah. Every time I go to the post office, they chase me out with a broom. (laughs) His voice doesn't even sound real. Yeah, for the Eras sounds... tour, for example. I don't know. How about her folklore album? <laughs> uh, just off the top of my head here. Uh... Oh, man, that guy. Anyway, um, he's cracked me up. I've been laughing all day at that clip. Oh, the guy's a man. Just off the top of my head, how about her perfect waist? Her, her legs that don't quit. I don't know. Just off the top of my head. <laughs> So many things you can make a stamp out of. Did you know that? <laughs> Come on down in my basement. I'll show you everything I made a stamp out of. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is something else. I hope he listens. Oh, if he if he does, he doesn't anymore. <laughs> yeah, he just unsubscribes. <laughs> he just unsubscribes <laughs> with a nasty review on Apple yeah, Podcasts. I look forward to it. Uh, make well, fun it- of me on your show, will you? <laughs> I'll, I'll do something to you just off the top of my head. I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, Let's wrap this up. We've, did, we've done our job here. We found some unique, offbeat, and unusual stories. Maybe introduced you to the biggest creep and stamp and coin collection. Collecting. I think we need to recharge for next week because there's a whole lot of weird stuff beating at our doors waiting to get in. Yeah, absolutely. Handsome Aaron Airport.
Uh, yes. Hi. Until next time. Jordan, until next time. Um, just keep Canada weird. I'll keep it. I'll keep it simple. Yeah. And Jordan, until next time, I offer you the same. Keep it weird, friend. I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I fulfill our mission to keep Canada weird, but let us call out to you for even greater support. If something weird happens in your neck of the woods, we want to hear about it. And if you have any thoughts, opinions, or theories on any of the stories we discussed tonight, we want to hear about that as well. The best way to reach us is by sending a voice memo using the app found at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We're excited to hear from you. Now, before we part here, let me end with some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, who provides the intro and outro voiceovers, Monty Data, who provides the outro version of O Canada, and lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you goes out to each and every one of you listening, as without your interest and your support, Nighttime and Keep Canada Weird would be as pointless as they would be impossible. Now on the topic of support, let me thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Gail, Adam, and Tiffany, thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show, you can do it in a variety of ways. First of all, there's the premium feed, which costs just a couple dollars a month, and that money funds the creation of the show. But perhaps more importantly, the premium feed also gives you the episodes two days early, gives them to you ad-free, and gives you access to a full back catalog of nighttime and Keep Canada Weird episodes. If that sounds like something you'd like, you can go premium at patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. And even if you don't want to go premium, you can still support the creation of the show by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting all your like-minded friends know what we're doing here. We appreciate your support in growing this. Now, until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. Keep Canada Weird is written, hosted, and produced by the Nighttime Podcast. And now to our viewers and listeners everywhere. Good night. So I just wanted to reach out to you guys. Let you know I love the podcast. I listen to it all the time. I even listen to you while I sleep. I go back and re-listen to things. I am in the United States. I am in Sturgis, South Dakota. And... I just wanted to let you guys know that it is weird down here too. It's not just weird up there. In order for me and my brother to go to my grandpa's funeral, because they banned us and told us that we couldn't show up there unless we were there to do work. So how we got into the funeral was we bought a hearse. We lined it with beautiful blue and green lights. We packed me and the kids and stuff inside of the coffin. My brother drove through the gate. We went in, we said goodbye to my grandpa, loaded the kids back up. And as we were loading the kids back up, after we said our goodbyes to my grandpa, that's when his lovely, crazy, psychotic white wife decided that she knew who we were. But it was already too late. We made it to the funeral. We made it to say goodbye to our grandpa. But we just had to get clever how to get into the funeral. And I just thought that maybe crazy story like that might make you guys laugh. Alright. Oh, and they call me VA. I won't give you my the rest of my name, maybe later, but VA is what they call me. 
It would be great if the U.S. issued a semi-postal stamp with a charitable surcharge on it and people could celebrate Taylor Swift's Eras Tour, for example, and give money to a charity that Taylor Swift and the U.S. Postal Service agreed on.